Thank you for listening to Weekly Wisdom, the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield, New Jersey. This episode is a sermon preached by Reverend Marvin Lindsay titled Crucial Conversations. It's based on the call of Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3 and the call of Philip and Nathaniel to be disciples of Jesus in John chapter 1. And it talks about the power of conversations between God and human beings and between human beings about God and the power of those conversations to change lives and change the world. We hope that you'll enjoy this. I went straight from college to seminary to ordained ministry, so I never really had much of a gap time as just an ordinary lay person. And in my early years as a minister, I would always be disappointed if the crowd in church on Sunday was a little light. I think to myself, where is everybody? You know? I'd be a little irritated with people that I thought should be there. But then, after about a dozen years of ordained ministry, I entered a PhD program. And when I was in coursework, I was not actively serving the church. I was a civilian again for the first time ever. I was a lay person. And we found this wonderful congregation in Richmond, Virginia to attend. And they had this quirky little Sunday afternoon service that the four of us would often attend. But I will admit to you, often attend. Some Sunday mornings and afternoons, we worshipped at the Church of St. Mattress. We did. Have, have, any of you, have any of you ever worshipped at St. Mattress? Man, they got everything at St. Mattress. Um, and so, now that I'm back in ordained ministry, and I understand what a wonderful congregational setting St. Mattress is, I don't have any judgment anymore about anybody who is at St. Mattress on any given Sunday. And I am also extremely uh, grateful for all of you who are not at St. Mattress this Sunday morning, but who are worshiping with us either in person or online. No judgment if you're not a St. Mattress, if you are a St. Mattress. But here's the thing. More and more people are worshiping at St. Mattress four Sundays a month 52 Sundays out of the year. A Gallup poll in 2022 found that church attendance was 12 percentage points lower in 2022 than it had been in 2012. And the Pew Research Center poll has shown that between 2007 and 2022, the percentage of Americans who say that they are Christians has declined from 78% to 63%. This is kind of a long-term trend. You can't blame it all on the pandemic. Okay? So what can you blame it on? What's happened? What's going on? Well, surveys by Pew and also by the Barna Group, uh, which are both well-regarded research organizations that study trends in American religious life, report that there are a number of factors, but I want to highlight two in particular. One is that People are worshiping at St. Mattress because they see the moral failings and hypocrisy in church leaders. And the other issue, and this is a really curious one, is that people have found that they don't tend to learn all that much about God or Jesus or the life of faith at church. Isn't that interesting? So churches that tolerate misconduct and churches that put some agenda front and center other than the good news that God has reconciled us in Jesus Christ, those churches individually, they may be growing, they may be shrinking, but they're killing it for everybody else. So what do we do about this? Well, I think our scripture readings 
speak to both of these situations. Let me start with the Old Testament lesson that Nikki read for us. In that passage in 1 Samuel, we learn that our contemporary problems with corruption and immorality uh, are nothing new. 1 Samuel 3 describes a situation in which the main house of worship for Israel, the shrine in the town of Shiloh, was being mismanaged. The elderly priest, Eli, was unable to control his incorrigible sons, Phineas and Hophni, who were destined to inherit the role after he died. The boys were sacrilegious. They were engaging in financial misconduct. They were engaging in sexual misconduct. All the scandals that we hear in the media today about church leaders, they were engaging in in the times of the, of the shrine and Shiloh. And the narrator adds, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. It was a time of spiritual malaise and institutional corruption. But then, God spoke. And God's words to the priests of Shiloh were, You're fired. Did I do that right? You're fired. You're fired, Eli. Phineas, Hoffman, you're fired. God told the boy Samuel to tell his supervisor that God was going to remove the ineffective and corrupt leadership at Shiloh. And when Samuel reluctantly told the priest what he had heard from the Lord, Eli, to his credit, accepted God's verdict as just. Eli's sons were killed in battle, and when Eli got the news, he dropped dead. Samuel grew up, on the other hand, to become the new leader of the Israelite people, a reliable spokesperson for the Lord. So God's word to Samuel contained a word of warning and a word of hope, a word of judgment and a word of grace. The warning is this. No pastor, no priest, no church, no denomination, no institution is indispensable. No one is above the law. If leaders and institutions will not hold themselves accountable, then God will hold them accountable, and God will start afresh with someone and something new. But the word of grace and hope is this. God will start afresh. God will start anew. God is a God of new beginnings. Neither fallible people nor corrupt institutions can stop God's good purposes from unfolding in this world. How does God start over? How does God begin anew? God begins anew one conversation at a time. After a long period of silence, God broke silence and spoke to Samuel. And as Samuel grew and matured and understood the word of the Lord, the Israelite people's ears were filled with the word of the Lord, and their hearts began to turn to the Lord. In the Gospel lesson, I'm going to turn to that now, Jesus has a conversation with Philip that results in Philip becoming a disciple. And then Philip goes and has a conversation with Nathaniel, and that conversation results in Nathaniel following Jesus. That's how God's word of grace and obedience spreads and changes the world. One conversation at a time. And that is what it takes to interest people who worship at St. Mattress on a regular basis to serve and worship with a community who is following Jesus Christ. It's about conversations. Now, conversations about faith don't have to be cold calls. You don't have to go door-to-door handing out tracts. 
Okay? That is actually not what happens in the Gospel lesson. In the Gospel lesson, Jesus, who is a Galilean from Nazareth, he goes down to Judea to get baptized, and then on his return trip home, he invites another Galilean named Philip to accompany him. Philip, in turn, invites who seems to be somebody who seems to be a friend of this, Nathaniel, and they all gather around Jesus for this journey home. Jesus started with people who were close to him, people who spoke the same accent from him, people who were from the same neck of the woods, from the same uh, surroundings, and the movement grew from there. Conversations about faith, they're most fruitful when they occur between people who have something in common, people who trust each other, people who know each other. That's who the conversation is most fruitful with. But what is the content of the conversation? What do you talk about? Well, notice that Philip doesn't threaten Nathaniel with hellfire if he doesn't come along and follow Jesus. He doesn't badger Nathaniel with intellectual arguments for why Jesus is the Messiah. He doesn't guilt Nathaniel into coming along and following with him. Instead, Philip speaks from the heart about who Jesus Christ is for him and what he has found in this person that he has met. We have found the one whom Moses in the law spoke of, the one whom the prophets spoke of, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Jesus is the one Philip has been waiting his whole life for. Jesus is the one who embodies God's love and justice perfectly. He is the one who comes bringing mercy and forgiveness for his failings and the failings of other people. He is the one who can set him and all people free from the prisons that surround us and from the shackles that bind us. He is the one who may even be able to defeat the enemy that we all have to face at the end, the last and most powerful enemy, death itself. Jesus is the one Philip has been hoping for. The one he's been looking for. St. Augustine a long time ago wrote, You have made us for yourselves, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. There is a God-shaped hole in every human heart that can only be filled by divine love and forgiveness and compassion. We try to fill that hole with a lot of other things. We try to fill it with career. We try to fill it with family. We fill it with sports, we fill it with addictions, we fill it with partisan politics, with education, with hobbies. Some of these things are good, some of these things are bad, but none of these things are going to fit that God-shaped hole perfectly. They're all square pegs and round holes. Jesus Christ is the round peg that fits that God-shaped hole in our hearts to a T. Because in Him, the fullness of God dwells. Someone needs to hear that from you, in your own words. There is someone in your life that you need to have a conversation with. Not a conversation about doctrine, or a conversation about religious duties and obligations, but a a conversation about Jesus Christ. Who he is for you. What you have found in him. Someone needs to hear that. You have a story to tell. And someone in your life is waiting to hear that story. Nathaniel, let's call him Nate. Nate is skeptical. Can anything 
good come from Nazareth? I don't know what Nathaniel's beef with Nazareth is. Uh, it seems maybe kind of like a, a low-rent, small-scale prejudice. I don't know, maybe, maybe their football team beat Nate's football team every year. I have no idea. But what we do know is that contemporary people also have prejudices and beefs. A lot of them are justified when it comes to that place that is most closely associated with where Jesus comes from today. I'm talking about the church. The church is Nazareth. Can anything good come from the church? And we've talked about some of these beefs and some of these prejudices already. Churches are full of hypocrites. Their leaders are corrupt. And anyway, if I want to learn about faith, why would I go to church? There are plenty of TikToks and plenty of YouTube videos that I can learn all about the life of faith from. And Philip replies, come and see. Come and come to Nazareth and see? Is that what he means? No. Not come to Nazareth. Come to Jesus. Come and meet Jesus. And the result is that Philip finds in I'm sorry, Nathaniel finds in Jesus someone who seems to know him better than he knows himself. And the result is that Nate becomes a disciple. And the movement has grown. It's my experience that Presbyterians are a lot more at ease talking about their church than they are about their Lord and Savior. That's, that's my experience. Uh, now, I love people who love their church so much that they talk about their church in the community. God bless you. God bless each and every one of you. But here's the thing. People who worship the same actress on Sunday mornings don't have a church-shaped hole in their hearts. They have a God-shaped hole in their hearts. There's a conversation that needs to be had before you talk to people about church. The crucial conversation is about Jesus and an invitation to come and see him. After that, you can talk about an invitation to come along with the community that is following him. But that's different than leading off with, you really ought to come to First Presbyterian Church. they got a great whatever up there. Truth be told, everything that is great about First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield, they've got a St. Mattress, and it's better. Okay? It's better. We can't beat them at their own game. We have sermons. They have, t- they have TED Talks. Slickly and professionally produced. Okay, we have choral music. We have beautiful music. They have t- Taylor Swift, the Eras tour. We can't compete with that. You know what is on NBC right now? The Premier League is on NBC right now. Let's see, it's, it's Everton versus Ashton Villa right now. Pull out your phone. You can call, you can find it on your Peacock app. We can't compete with that. Everything we do, they can do better. Except there is this one thing. There is this one thing. There is this one thing. This is one thing, okay? This is one thing, and it makes all the difference in the world. And the one thing is that the one that fits everyone's God-shaped hole comes forth from the people of God. And the identification between that one and his people is so close that the scriptures can talk about this body as if it were Jesus' own body. Come and see Jesus. That's the crucial conversation that needs to be had. Now, a word of caution. I don't want to give the impression that the Christian movement grows slowly by uh, word-of-mouth invitations like 
restaurants and plumbers grow their business solely by Yelp reviews. Um, that's not what I'm saying. There is something else at work in these conversations. Jesus had his eye on Nathaniel before Philip talked to Nathaniel about Jesus. As one scholar puts it, before Nathaniel sees, he is seen. Before he knows, he is known. Before he chooses, he is chosen. Without ceasing to be with us, Jesus is also at work among the members of St. Mattress. And there he is awakening in people a longing for a better fit for that God-shaped hole in their lives than the square pegs of career or hobbies or entertainment or anything else. He awakens in the parishioners of St. Mattress a desire for himself. So that when we invite the parishioners of St. Mattress to meet Jesus Christ, they are already interested and they are already willing. Because Christ is always at, already at work in the lives of those who do not know him, then our conversations about Christ are most beneficial when they come from a place of humility, not arrogance. I want to leave you with a few questions to wonder about this morning. What if the church were a people who held themselves accountable to God and to each other in justice and in love? What if the church were a people whose lives were centered in Jesus Christ and not on the impermanent and passing things of this world? What if the church were a people so delighted by what they had found in Christ that they couldn't keep this discovery a secret, but they had to share it with others and had to invite others to discover the joy that they had found. What kind of church would that be? What kind of difference would that church make in the world? In the name of the one who is and who was and who is there. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.